0: We're going to go ahead and get started, and uh, so I'll pray for us, open us up. We're going to uh, kind of update you on some things about where we're at with the church plant stuff, and then um, kind of discuss some more about what we've been learning in regards to money, and uh, I'll give you an update on what the next few weeks are going to look like as well. So let's pray. God, once again, we thank you for the chance that we have to get together today uh, as a body of believers to... To just fellowship together, to encourage one another, um, to just take some time out of our week to um, just spend some intentional time focused on you uh, with, other, um, with other believers. And God, we just thank you that we have the privilege of doing that today. That um, you've given us the means to get here, um, that you've given us um, even job situations that allow us to be off today to where we can gather together. So, God, we just thank you for the the unique privilege of being able to gather with people um, that we love um, and that we're able to love based on the fact that the Holy Spirit indwells each one of us. um, We just love you so much. We thank you for all that you're doing in our life and through the work that you're doing in this church. pray that you would continue that um, as we move forward, that you would give us wisdom and decisions that have to be made as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Um. Just by way of some updates, Uh, we do have the men's kayak trip coming up, not this Saturday, but the next Saturday. Um, Some of you have emailed Adam letting me know if you are or aren't going. If you haven't had a chance to do that, please do so. Um, We really would like to know. I put down um, by this Wednesday, we want to have a nailed down. This is who is and who isn't going um, for that trip. So that is uh, August 6th. We're keeping a track on uh, the water level for the river. Um, Unless we get some rain, the water may be too low for us to actually do a full day of kayaking. But we will make plans to be um, on the river or on some type of body of water where we can hang out, fish, swim, um, do whatever. So even if we don't get to kayak that day, we will have a planned activity for us to get together as guys and hang out that day. Um, So let Adam know by Wednesday. Um, if you need to change, if you are going to go now, or if you know, oh, I said I could go and now I can't go, whatever it is, you know, just make sure you let Adam know, um, by this Wednesday. So ladies day is August 7th, which is the next Sunday. Um, so two weeks from today, um, we're going to meet, the girls are going to meet at my apartment at Walden point at noon. And I think Jen's coordinating with, with y'all as to whether or not she needs y'all to bring anything for that day. Um, I think the plan is to go from like 12 to four, eat lunch together, um, Play some games and stuff. We're gonna have fondue. Cheese fondue, <laughs> and fondue, chocolate fondue. Okay, so, fondue is <laughs> <laughs> so, um, good too. So that's, okay, that'll be fun. So yeah, if, you, if you're definitely planning on going, you can let Jen or Lauren know so they know right. who to coordinate with about bringing stuff. Um, some updates about Given. Uh, we have nailed down pretty much everything with with Bank of Calida. Um, We were able to get uh, Julie at Mount Gilead on the account this week. Um, We were able to get a savings account opened up because we had enough to deposit into a savings account. So now we have a checking and a savings account opened at Bank of Coweta. Um, So all that has been uh, taken care of. Again, we're going to collect on Sundays and then be able to go go do a direct deposit immediately on Sundays as well. So nobody has to handle the money for uh, too long. We are continuing to revise our budget. I told you last week that we'd finished the first draft of the budget. Uh, I was able to get together with Chris and with Jason this week, and we made some revisions based off of um, some insight that they had. Um, I'm wanting to get together with Philip before we actually discuss it as a church. So um, once me and Philip get a chance to sit down and get some insight from him about our budget, Then we'll be able to talk about it as a church. We're targeting August 16th or August 14th, Sunday, August 14th, um, as the day that we'll present that to you guys. That is also the next time that we'll be here, um, if we're allowed to still be here. We'll see. Um, So that'll be August 14th. Just again as a reminder, as far as what what our costs are right now, $150 to pay for the park and then $19 for the city. Um, It's nice on days that we're not at the park because we don't have that bill. So like money that you give today, you can give in this basket. That'll strictly go to cover the cost of the food today. That's all we really need for you to give in regards to this church today. The cost was about $50, I think, for the food and stuff. So not a whole lot needed from each of you to cover the cost of lunch today. Um, But then also we're taking up a special gift for Adam and Tiffany today. Um, So really we want the bulk of the given to go towards them. There's a blue jar or blue bowl back near Jason that you can put that money in designated for Adam and Tiffany. Again, this is to help offset the cost of Adam being out of work all last week. His plans are to try to go back to work on Tuesday. But I think some of that's motivated by the fact that he doesn't get paid vacation or paid sick time. And so I'm hoping that if we're able to take him a check today saying, hey, this is from your church family, that that may help him make the most wise decision possible about when to be back at work. He talked to his boss. His boss was going to let him do some light duty around the office, realizing that physically he can't do what he normally does. And we want to keep Adam from feeling like he has to push himself and just making it worse. They said based on the amount of blood that Adam has lost and had to have replaced that it'll be over 50 days before he's back to feeling like himself again. It takes that long for the body to readjust to all the blood that's that's happened. Some of you have given blood before, and even just given a, a pint or two, you're not allowed to give again for, it's like a month or so, I think. And that's just a pint or two. Adam had nine pints put in. Um, he's got a blood test tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock at the clinic across the street from Spalding um, Hospital. As long as his hemoglobin level has not dropped, then he won't have to have another blood test for 30 days. If there's a drop in um, his blood level, then they're going to have to reevaluate what they're going to do next. He was telling me what, do you remember what the step was going to be? They were going to do, they're going to test his bone marrow to see whether or not his bone marrow is producing blood or not. So if his, if his levels drop because there's, he took the camera test, camera went all the way through his system, took 1,400 pictures or 14,000 14, images, um, which took them several hours, obviously, to click through and try to find, like, where active bleeding was. There wasn't any active bleeding going on when the camera passed through. So there's no reason, really, that they can think of for his levels to be dropping. So if they are dropping, then that, that's cause for concern because there's no active, hemorrhaging anymore. Um so then they would test to make sure that his bone marrow is actually producing blood still. Um and what they're hoping right now is that just because of the amount of blood that he lost and the blood that was put in that it, it kind of spiked and now it's kind of settling down and it'll kind of drop and then start to to come back up again. So we want to continue praying for them um, but we do want to um, as much as we can take care of them during this time. Tiffany's planning on going back to work tomorrow. Um I got to hang out with them last night. We took Lillian and um, prepared dinner for them last night. Me and Lauren took it over to them. And um, we got to hang out with them for about an hour. And everything seemed to be going good. They're exhausted from a pretty trying week. Adam looked a whole lot better. But he said, like, even just going outside, taking the trash to the street and coming back, he feels like he just did an eight-hour day. Um, And that's just based on the blood loss and reaccumulating to his body. So um, we just want to keep praying for him. His body would recover um, and and readjust, and he'd get the rest that he needs. But, again, just trying to to show them that that we're going to be there for him and take care of him. And So we want to do that financially for them today. Um, So hopefully you've been praying about that and you've been able to determine the amount that we can give. And then we also plan to, if need be, um, add to whatever is given today, based on what was given last week, because you guys gave almost three thousand dollars last week, which is a huge testimony just to what the Holy Spirit is doing in your guys' hearts, and how um, you know we're being faithful to be generous. And you know, everybody that that heard that we gave that much was just kind of blown away at the generosity of you guys giving, and so that's a that's a cool testimony to what God's doing. Um, and so, as we learn better what they need. Um, you know, we'll know better exactly how much they need for us to give towards them. So we'll keep you updated. We've got meals planned every other night throughout this week. Um, so we'll be taking food to them um, and kind of helping take care of them in that sense. So any questions about Adam or Tiffany or their situation? I've been trying to keep most of you updated as much as I can with text and stuff. So... Okay. Um, Update about the, the schedule We meet at the park next week Then two weeks from today we won't meet That'll be when the ladies meet Then we'll be back here at Ben's And we'll plan to eat lunch again And then the next week we'll be at Topi's For the baptism pool party And then the last Sunday in August We will meet at the park again So that's the next five weeks Park, no meeting Ben's, Topi's meet at the park. And if you need directions to Topi's, then we can get that to you as he gets a little bit closer. All right. Um, just an update on some things that we prayed about last week. You know, we were praying about people that are in transition right now, and we had some, some big answers to prayer this week. Um, one, uh, Topi got a job at Air Apostle. That's where he's at this morning. He's going through some training today. So that was a big answer for him to get a job near school so that he can kind of do both pretty close together. Um, Adam and Jen were able to get um, an acceptance on their offer for their house. So they're supposed to close on their house in 30 days. So that's uh, another big answer to prayer. They've been in limbo waiting since, I guess, March or April about whether or not this house was going to be what God wanted for them. So that's a huge lift off of their shoulders. They can begin to hopefully transition um Closer to Adam's job and then closer to Sonoy, so um, look for ways to maybe help them in the move process um, within the next 30 days. And then uh, Luke got his job back at Ingalls. We prayed for that specifically last week, so that's an answer to prayer as well. Um, So just some big answers that we prayed for last week, and that's a testimony to just God working out details according to his timing and providing for us exactly when we need for him to provide for us, and so we want to acknowledge that this morning. Um, But we still want to continue praying for Rachel. If she looks for a job, she's waiting to hear back from the Southern Federal Credit Union in Noonan. Jordan's looking to hear back from some different places in Noonan as well. She was able to move into her apartment this week in Noonan um, so that she'll be able to live there and take classes at the Noonan campus, but also needs a job and a roommate. And that's kind of tied in with Rachel getting the job. They've talked about living together. So if Rachel gets a job, then that Is also an answered prayer for Jordan looking for a roommate. So um, just pray specifically that that God would work things out according to his will for Rachel, her job situation, Jordan's job situation, and also the roommate situation there um, as well. And then Blant also um, is in need of a job. Anybody else looking for a job that I forgot to add? Just trying to remember everybody. All right. Um, Any questions about any of those updates or announcements or anything like that? Okay. I'm going to uh, to take some time to pray over these situations again um, before we kind of transition into um, further discussing uh, money and how God desires for us to use it here in this church. So let's pray again. Heavenly Father, we do want to come to you uh, once again and just lift up to you our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, We thank you uh, for the answers to prayer that we've seen this week. Um, I know some of these have have been situations that we've been praying about for a while. And so, God, it's um, it's just really encouraging to see you um, answer and, and move and direct according to your timing and according to your will. We thank you for allowing Adam and Jen to get positive reports about their house search. And we thank you for the, um, the acceptance of their offer. And so, God, we just want to pray continually now that you'll allow all the details to fall into place as inspections begin to happen and discussions about loans um, are taking place right now, God, that you would just allow all that to work out according to your will um, as they approach the closing date. Um, that that would all just fall into place and that you would begin to, to even now prepare them for the new living situation that they're going to be in as they begin to um, be put into a, a neighborhood that's going to have uh, new uh, people for them to interact with, that you would prepare them for that special place of ministry that they're going to be. Um, God, that you would just allow them to be an effective light in that community. They would take advantage of the opportunities of being able to live um in a, in a situation that they know they're going to be in long term, um, that that would be a house of, of hospitality where they can in, uh, invite people in and communicate your love to them and communicate the gospel as well. Um, God, we want to pray for um, Rachel and Jordan as they're looking for jobs right now. Uh, we know that this can be a uh, just a stressful time and an opportunity and a temptation to be anxious and to worry. And, God, we know from your word that you don't desire those um, those feelings for us, that it's actually a sign that we're not trusting you. And so, God, we pray that they would resist those temptations to be anxious and to worry. Instead, they would trust you and your timing and your sovereignty in these situations, um, that you would give Jordan wisdom as she inquires about different job opportunities in Noonan. That you would kind of guide and direct her to the places that, that are actually hiring, that would be a good opportunity for her. We know that... Um, That you want her to be in a place where she can make the amount of money that she needs, but also a place where she can minister. Um, That the bigger purpose is for her to be in an environment where she can um, build relationships and where she can share the gospel. And so we recognize, God, that you have a specific place that you would desire for her to be, um, where she can do ministry. And so, God, we're waiting on you to show that and and to open that door. And so, God, we just ask that you would um, allow her to be patient as she waits. That you would also... Provide her a roommate according to your timing. Um, We know that that's also going to be an opportunity for her to receive encouragement and accountability and fellowship. And so, God, we know that that needs to be the right situation. so, God, we pray that you give her patience as well as she waits on that. Um, For Blant, as he continues to look for a job, God, that you would give him just uh, wisdom in knowing where to seek out a job. Um, Father, that you would allow him to find a situation that will um, not place... uh, burden on him as he's trying to take care of his parents as well, that he would find a unique situation that would allow him to do both um, and just relieve the pressure that he feels at times to uh, provide for his family. And um, we thank you again for for Toby being able to find a job this week and for Luke being able to uh, get rehired at Ingalls. We thank you for the provision there. Um, Pray that you would use them in those working environments as well to be a minister for you. Uh, that they would have opportunities to build relationships and to also share the gospel with people um, who don't know you as their Savior. And, and God, we pray that our time this morning would be an encouragement, that we would be able to continue to discuss and wrestle with issues that um, we struggle understanding in your word. pray that you would use the Holy Spirit to give us uh, just deeper understanding of how we can serve you with our money today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I wanted to... Um, Touch on a couple of passages this morning, share with you a couple of thoughts, and then kind of open it up for some question and answer based on stuff that we've talked about over the last few weeks. We're not currently in a situation where we're doing home groups, which is usually the environment that we would do question and answer and discussion. And, and I know that you know we've kind of hit you hard the last couple of weeks with a lot of stuff. Um, there may be things that I say, comments that I make that you'd like to delve deeper into. Maybe you didn't fully understand what I was saying or um, it just raised further questions that maybe we can discuss this morning. So I wanted to give you um, some opportunity to do that this morning. I can't remember if we looked at this passage or not, but I wanted to draw your attention this morning to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, verse 7. I've noticed in the past couple years, whenever I'm, I'm reading scripture, just a fruit that's kind of resulted from me coming to a deeper understanding of the gospel, just a deeper study of the gospel, books that I've read on the gospel. I find myself, when I'm reading scripture, um, my ears kind of perk up and my eyes kind of light up, and I really want to hone in when I begin to see apostles or disciples or just followers of Christ communicating the gospel and people responding with, what are we supposed to do? Because I find myself sometimes when I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, I can share the content of the gospel, but I get uncomfortable and sometimes confused and lost as to what to do when someone actually wants to accept it, wants to do something with it. It's kind of like, whoa, like I don't usually get people that actually want to do something with what I just said. And so when someone actually seems intrigued or interested in the gospel, um, sometimes we don't know where to go next with, we've kind of spilled our content of the gospel, that God is holy, we're sinful, Jesus came to fix all that, and we can accept him as our Savior. Um, And so my ears and and eyes really tune in to um, wanting to hear how the apostles and disciples respond when people seem... Intrigued enough to ask questions after they've kind of heard a gospel presentation. And we see this happen with John the Baptist in Luke chapter 3. He says in verse 7, He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. So you've got people coming that have heard, either heard the message of John the Baptist or have heard about the message of John the Baptist, and they've come to hear more. And John the Baptist is kind of questioning their motives um, and then giving them instruction about what to do. If you're truly wanting to come and repent, here's some evidence or fruit that that repentance is real. He says, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. What do you think he, why does he say that? He says, bear fruits in keeping with repentance and don't begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Anybody know what that means?
1: Maybe just because you're a doesn't of that you're going
0: to get in. Yeah. Yeah, don't rely on your family heritage. Don't rely on the fact that, that you were born into the covenant people, which has bearing for us in the New Testament. It would be the same. Don't, don't think that you're okay just because you were born into a Christian family, the, the covenant people of the New Testament. And, and so he's, he's challenging them, don't, don't face the fact that, that you come from um, the people of God. That, that necessarily means that you're okay. He says you need fruit that shows that you've really repented. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. John the Baptist says, look, God doesn't even need you to repent. If he wants people to worship him, he can can create people out of these stones. He can make these stones worship him. Verse 9, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 10, and the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? What are we supposed to do? Verse 11, and he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Verse 12, tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Verse 14, soldiers also asked him, and we, what shall we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threat or by false accusation. And be content with your wages. As the people were in expectation, all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor." And to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. I think it's important to note in this passage, Jesus' ministry hasn't started yet. You know, like he's he's still he's still um, doing the carpenter thing. John the Baptist is preparing the way for him. Jesus hasn't hasn't declared that his public ministry has started. And so before Jesus even, even begins teaching, we see this concept of real salvation. And how it affects the way you use your money, being taught pre Jesus. And it's even direct, direct, specifically to tax collectors here. So who knows? This this type of understanding that if you truly repent of your of your sins and turn your faith to Christ, and it affects the way that you look at money. This message may have reached someone like Zacchaeus. You know, we see Zacchaeus accept Christ, and all of a sudden he's convicted and begins to make changes with how he handles. Is tax collecting money. I've got to give to people that I took from. I need to give to the poor. That may not have been an original idea by Zacchaeus. It may have been that John the Baptist's teaching or Jesus' teaching had reached Zacchaeus and he understood that's just what I'm supposed to do now that I'm a Christian. Holy Spirit works inside of him and convicts him of that, but this expectation was already kind of getting passed around. John the Baptist says if you're truly a Christian, you've truly repented, If you've got two tunics, share with the one who has none. This idea of giving our possessions away. Seeing someone who's in need and giving it away. Tax collectors. What do we do? Collect no no more money than you're authorized to do. Be honest in how you collect your money. He says the same thing to soldiers. He tells them to be content with their wages. So this whole whole concept of being content with what we have, um, not... Elevating money to a position of authority in our life, being faithful to give our money away as we see needs. That was, that was even pre-Jesus. That wasn't just Jesus saying those things. That, that, that mindset was beginning to circulate even amongst the first followers of Jesus, these followers of John the Baptist that would then translate over to following Jesus. And I wanted to kind of draw that out this morning and make sure that, that again we see this concept rampant through the New Testament. That true Christianity, Holy Spirit living inside of you, necessitates a change in how money is viewed in your life. A radical change. Um, it's it, it's a fruit of repentance, John the Baptist says. It's something that should naturally flow out of a true response to Christ. Um, Mark ten twenty nine through 30. Another passage I wanted to comment on this morning that I don't think we've looked at yet. Here, Jesus addresses um, disciples that that have left everything to follow him. This is this is right after rich guy comes and says, what do I need to do to be saved, Jesus? We need to sell everything and give it to the poor and follow me. And so, guy walks away. We've looked at that. But then Jesus begins to dialogue with his disciples. Because it's impo- almost impossible for a rich man to be saved. Um We'll start in verse 27. Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. So he gives us that hope that even through the work of God, rich people can be saved. Verse 28, Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Verse 29, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life but many who are first will be last and the last first what do you think Jesus is promising there to his followers because this passage a lot of times gets used by the prosperity gospel preachers to say that that if you if you give, basically that God's going to give you way more back in return. And so you can expect um, houses and you can expect possessions to increase when you follow Jesus. What, what would you say that he's promising here when he says, No one has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not also receive a hundredfold now in this time and in the age to come. What do you think, that's a, what do you think he's promising there? Okay, eternal life. He does communicate some of this stuff comes in the age to come, but he also says in this age.
2: I think what he, uh, at least kind of what I understand, is how no matter what can be gained on this earth in comparison to getting God Himself and the glory of this God, like all the things of this earth, all the possessions you get, all in Christ, or Jesus, okay, to have God and the Holy Spirit in your place.
0: Okay, in comparison to what we gain through salvation, relationship with God, um, you know, reconciliation through Christ, that doesn't compare to the stuff that we've given up. But he also seems to be communicating, you gave up this, but you're also going to get the same thing back. Any thoughts on what, how that promise can be fulfilled? Yeah, through the church. Through the church. I mean, this is this is an allusion to what happens in the book of Acts when people begin to follow Jesus and begin to give up things, and yet you see in the book of Acts that nobody has any needs that they're they're selling stuff and they're distributing to people as they have needs. The fact that we're all together right here and we're working towards being a family, a spiritual family, means that Older men in this church just inherited a lot more children. You've got physical children. Okay, like Adam's got physical children. Philip's got physical children. Jason's got physical children. But then we also see that in the book of Titus, that older men are supposed to teach younger men within the church. And so there is a sense where Adam values the development and the growth of Maggie and Jack. But that mentality, that mindset is supposed to translate over into the church, into younger men within the church. So in the same way he desires the best for Jack, desires that Jack be provided for, especially in a spiritual sense, that he has that same mindset for younger guys in this church. Because there's some of you that come in here that don't have a good family situation to go home to. There's some of you who come in here who need, who need a dad to step up in this church context and teach you things that your dad's not teaching you at home. To, to be a spiritual dad for you that you've never experienced in the physical sense back home. And then there's some people that come in here who, who don't have children. You know, like me and Lauren don't have kids right now. Which means we have extra time in our schedule to invest in, in spiritual children. You know, like Jason's got responsibilities at home. He doesn't have as much time in his schedule maybe to spend time with some of the younger guys like, like God's freed me up to do. And I recognize that there's a season right now that I don't have responsibilities at home that other guys in our church do have. And so that affords me additional time to, to invest in spiritual children. Now, there'll come a time, hopefully, that Lauren and I have kids, and I'll have to back off a little bit on the amount of time that I spend with, with my spiritual children but I think that's the illusion that Jesus is making here. That you give up potentially stuff, but what you gain within the church context more than, than ever makes up for what you've given up. That, that your needs are provided for. That, that you're in a context that is a family. And just as a family would take care of each other financially if somebody got hurt or injured or whatever, that that same mentality is adopted within this church family. <clears throat> And really the disciples begin to experience this in the terms of lands and houses as they begin to travel to different cities to share the gospel, that they are welcomed and accepted in a hospitable way by other Christians that aren't even a part of their local church. The disciples maybe give up physical houses, but they seem to always have a place to stay. So Jesus is saying, you'll have houses, you'll have lands, you'll have brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers, just not in the context that you're used to. In, in a much bigger context, you're going to have these things provided for you. So I wanted to, to make sure that we we understand that as well, that um, a, re, a, a, a new perspective on money happens after we're truly saved. John the Baptist even preaches that. But even as we give up stuff for the sake of the gospel, God has designed it to where... Even in giving things up, we're taken care of and provided for. And we see that really take place in the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 8.
1: Earlier, the, the key, one of the key phrases there is "give it up for the gospel." Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid that you know, the, the, the guys who are teaching prosperity gospel are like, "Hey, give us the money, and you're going to get ten pounds back." Not, yeah. So it's basically, "Oh, if I give you a hundred dollars, I'm a right. The Right. Gospel's nowhere in it. Right. And that's what we, as a church, need to, to focus on. So this is not. You, know, you don't want to give expecting anything. Right. You want to give because
0: that's what we're commanded to do. Yeah, and then, yeah, that's where the prosperity gospel airs in the sense that um, you sacrifice maybe even a little, a hundred dollars, maybe not be that may that be that big a deal in your family context, but the promise is usually that you'll get thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars back. And the mindset is give up a little bit so that you can have more to then do whatever you want to with, to get a bigger house, get more toys, get, you know, more cars or whatever. And, and that's where um there's such abuse to that type of passage within the prosperity mentality that um you know Jesus is, is trying to communicate here that you know there'd be temptation that well if I sell my property and give the money to the church, what happens when when I need to be taken care of? And I think Jesus kind of comes back in there and says, when you give it up for the sake of the gospel, especially in the context of with other believers, you're going to be taken care of. You don't have to to give and then worry as though you just gave away everything and now you're going to be in need. And that's really what we see in 2 Corinthians 8. He says, this is in context, Paul's talking about churches helping other churches, um, giving to help other believers in need, whether it's locally or not locally. He says... Um, Verse 13, For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. So the mindset here is that... um Within the the church, if you're doing well financially and someone else is not, that you give out of your abundance. Now, the the world mentality would be, no, I'm keeping my abundance because I might have a need down the road. Like, I need to keep my savings intact because what happens if, if I have to get laid out of work for a week? What happens if I have a physical ailment that keeps me out of work and I need the money to take care of my family? Paul's saying, no, you give out of your abundance when everything's going fine for you and things aren't going fine for somebody else. With the understanding that when you have a need, it may be that the people that you gave out of your abundance to, now they're in the abundance and they can give back to you when you're in need. That's the mentality that Paul's trying to address here. He's saying, look, basically we're trying to, we're trying to have equality within the church, We're trying to give as people have need and then also setting yourself up to where you can accept when you're in need. And and there's a level of humility there because our pride wants to say, I don't need anything from you guys. Like, please don't take up money from me. Like, I don't really, I don't need it. Like, that's a strike to my pride as though I can't take care of my family. And Paul's trying to say, no, like, you're going to have legitimate needs. And the way that we're trying to set this up within the church is that we can love each other as family. We can take care of each other when you have needs. And that it becomes such a regular thing that it's not awkward or um, out of the blue when we do take care of somebody. You know, like my hope and desire is that as we continue to move forward as a church, that it's not uncommon for us to be taking up money to give to each other when we have different needs. That should be a regular occurrence. That we're giving our money away and that we're, we're meeting needs as we see them. And then as we fall into being in need, that we know that the church is going to come through to help us when we have legitimate needs. Okay? Um, some things that I wrote down last night as I was just thinking through. Some dangers that, that I want to make sure that we avoid in all this discussion about money. We talked last week there's not strict standards that are given to us in the New Testament. You know, I told you last week that there's a maturing process that seems to happen in redemptive history. Old Testament, Holy Spirit's not living inside of the people. They're rebellious, stubborn, and stiff-necked, and God sets up law. He sets up rules to follow. Here's how much you give. Here's how much of your crops you give away. New Testament, New Testament there's, a, there's a, a real back-off on percentages. And there's this, more, this mentality of be hospitable, be generous, be faithful to give, be known for your giving, be known for your love. And so I told you last week, like I don't believe that there's strict percentages given. Now, I want to make sure we understand that if... And 10% is debated as to whether or not that was even the actual percentage in the Old Testament. But let's just go off of what's normally accepted in the church. If 10% was the, was the tithe in the Old Testament... I think it would be safe to say that God would expect at least that in the New Testament. If he, if he implemented those percentages in the Old Testament, and now we're supposed to be more mature, we're supposed to have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, I highly doubt that the percentages would be less if percentages were to be given in the New Testament. Okay, I would think that, that God would expect more in the New Testament now that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. But again, the 10% is debated in the Old Testament. There's some people that believe it it was actually more like 23 25% of actual crops and income that were being given by the children of Israel. Now, you have to understand that some of that was built in for their taxes. Remember, Old Testament Israel functions differently than New Testament church. Old Testament Israel was a nation with governmental leaders that were being provided for through the giving of the people, just like our governmental leaders are being provided for through our taxes. So we can't translate the amount that they were giving completely over to the New Testament because we're already giving taxes to our government. Um, so, I mean, that's an intriguing study if you want to sit down and kind of look at what was the Old Testament Israel giving, how does that correlate into the New Testament. But just working off the, the 10% mentality, I think it's safe to say that, that we would be giving more in the New Testament. But, like I said... I don't think percentages are really clearly defined in the New Testament. You know, we've talked about you guys deciding in your heart what to give. Looking at your budget, determining, hey, I want to give this amount to the church. I want to give this amount to other people, to other, to other whatever. Told you that that amount that you give should always be up for discussion. That it's not just a percentage thing that you plug into. That you're constantly reevaluating your finances. The danger that we need to avoid is that we don't we don't think that other people should give based on the standards that we've set for ourselves. Okay? We've got to avoid imposing standards on other people that aren't given in Scripture. Okay? Um, let's say Adam and Jen sit down with their budget and, and they, they work it out where they're actually giving forty percent of Adam's income away. There would be a temptation for them to one become prideful about that, look how much we're giving away, but then also um, frustrated or angered towards people within this church if they're not giving forty percent of their income away. You know, why can't you guys figure out how to do it? We're giving so much of our money away. Why do y'all continue to spend money on trivial things that that me and Jen have determined aren't important in our life? You know, we've decided never to go out to eat, or we've decided to to only go with one car, or We've decided to do this. We've decided to do that. Why aren't you guys following suit with what we're doing? That's a danger that we have to avoid in this church, that you guys are going to have to let the Holy Spirit kind of lead and guide you personally within your family context, your family situation, as to what finances look like. And then you have to fight the tendency to uphold, to make other people live up to that standard that you've set for yourself. Standards aren't given in Scripture. We're given based on what we've decided in our heart, what the Holy Spirit's doing in our life in response to His Word, don't force that application on other people. Um, Secondly, there's something that I want to kind of encourage you with, is don't think that you have to shun every source of convenience that you have in your life. There are some conveniences that by actually spending money on them, they actually free up more time for you to do other things for ministry. You know, you can easily say, get the dishwasher out of here, um, I'm just going to start washing my own dishes by hand. Well, I mean, that, that takes longer time, right? So there's some things that you may say, hey, you know what? It's actually worth having our dishwasher here and paying the extra in electricity that it costs to run it because it allows me to get the dishes done quicker, allows me to, to have extra time to, to play with my kids, spend time with my husband or wife, or to, to just do ministry with the time that I would be washing dishes. There, there are some things, conveniences add extra time for us. And so, you know, it's not that we shun every convenience away because it's a convenience. It's not a need that we talked about. You know, we need food and clothing and maybe shelter. It's not that we figure out how to live off of just food, clothing, and shelter. There are some conveniences that allow us to do ministry because they save us time. So I want to caution you in thinking that you have to shun every convenience that you have in your life. Um, Another thing I want to caution you about is that studies show that most people don't start to give more later on in life just because they start making more money, and that's for those of you who are single, who are who are working um, jobs that you don't see yourself working forever. You know, like I know Luke has has bigger plans than working at Ingles for the rest of his life. I know that, that Toby doesn't see himself working at Air Apostles, That's not his career. You guys are in school. Like you're, you're getting a degree. You've got bigger plans that you're wanting to do long term. Um, you're not going to always make whatever you're making at Ingalls. You're going to make more money in your life at some point probably. W- what you decide to give now based on the little that you make is probably going to be pretty true about what you're going to give in the future which means don't develop this mentality, oh, when I make more money, then I'll get serious about giving. Like, Julie, you get serious now about giving, even though you may not be making as much as Chris, who's a teacher. You develop the principles of giving now, even though you may not make as much money, because those principles will hold true as you get older and make more money. Okay? Um, And then lastly, the thing that I jotted down is that we need to be intentional with our giving. And I was thinking... Jen and Adam made a comment last night. We were talking, or Lauren went shopping with her mom and bought uh, some different stuff with her birthday money. And Jen or Adam last night made the comment that they like to hang on to their birthday money and kind of stretch it out. And like they make intentional purposes and, you know, they don't just go spend it all at one time. You know, they kind of treasure that birthday money. Like I really want to think through my purchases and make good purchases with my birthday money. I think we need to do the same thing with our giving money. That, you know, we want to we get rid of this mindset, okay, just write a check, throw it in the offering plate. Okay, your giving is done with now. Like, we want you guys to, to budget your money. Have money that's to be given away. Some of that you're going to just write a check or just drop in the in the box or whatever and give to the church. But we also want you guys to have a chunk of money that you want to be just as intentional with in your giving as you are with how you spend your birthday money. Meaning, like, I really want to think through the best way to give this money to somebody. Like, I want to look for unique opportunities where I can give this money away. I told you, Lauren and I had determined um, that we wanted to give money to people at Snowbird. So we went up there, and we had intentional conversations with people to find out who needed our money the most. You know, like, we want to give money to people up here, but we want we don't want to just write a check to Snowbird and say, use it however you want. Like, we want to engage people in conversation Find out what's going on in their life. Find out what needs they have in their life and then give out of our abundance. Give generously and be intentional with it. So I want to encourage you guys to begin to develop this mentality of, okay, I want to give this money away. Like I've paid my bills. I've given to the church. I've, um, you know, I've set aside money for other things that I have to do this month. But here's some money that, that I don't necessarily need. I'm not going to just stick it in savings. I want to give it to somebody. But I also want to be very intentional. I want, to, I want to be serious with it. I want to treasure this money that I'm giving. And I want to do it in, a, in an effective way. So I want us to, to really think through about how to be intentional um, with the giving of our money. Any questions that, that you guys want to ask me based on stuff that we've been talking about, things that we've been learning, things that maybe I just said today, um, that maybe you need further clarification or questions that maybe this is, Aroused in, in your mind as you've been thinking about it throughout the last few weeks, or ways that maybe you're starting to apply this.
2: Something that I've been thinking about doing and finally did was like actually print out like a hardboard percentage-based budget. Like this is my paycheck. Here's the percentages. And, it's it, and I found when I did that, I found a whole lot of I can give here. I can give here. Like little, I I don't need that much money here. So I found that if, when you're a good steward of what you got, you find that there is a lot more money for giving than you would think if you were just like not being intentional about looking at how much money you have, where, where your bills got to be paid. Yeah. So I found like the first step I think to being a, a gracious giver is first seeing where you are and being a good steward of the money that you have. Because I was really surprised at how much I really do have room for giving and stuff like that. Once I actually had a printout budget, and I was looking at my money, and I was like, look, all my bills are here Pay I still got all this money right here that I can float around and put in what's Mm
0: needed." So I think that's something that I've noticed. is
2: kind of helping me out a lot to sort of apply this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, if you've never really sat down and looked at where your money's going... You'll probably be amazed at how much money you actually do have. It's kind of like some of us have done the, um, the activity where we, we write down what, what we do all day long to see where our time goes. Because, I mean, it's, it's common for us to say, you're so busy. Like, I just don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do this. And so, especially that first year of discipleship group, I challenged you all to, um, to do kind of a time sheet every day. Like, what did you do when you woke up? What did you do, like, every 30 minutes? And you begin to see, man, I waste a lot of time. There's a lot of time that I have that I'm just not using very effectively. And that's the same with money, too. I think when you finally sit down and look at it, you begin to realize, i got a lot more money coming in than I, than I think. It's just that I haven't been disciplined in where it goes. And by the end of the month, I'm out. And if it just takes a little bit of um, responsibility, and you begin to have a lot more than you think you do. Other questions on on how this gets applied? Ways that you can see your mentality changing, maybe?
3: I think my... um I've always given 10%, so to not think like that. Because my dad, you know, always told me 10% anything, 10% goes to the church that you go to. Anything extra that you want to give doesn't come out of the 10%. comes out of, you know, what else you can give. So, you know, which is a good mentality. Yeah. But it's just, so in my mind, if, if I don't give um, 10% or if I don't give, you know, I still have that 10% in my, mm-hmm. in my mind because, I mean, ever since I was little, I was always yeah known that. And I understand why it's not what you're saying and I agree with you, but it's just, it's hard for me to kind of get it out of my mind like I can, you know, because if I'm doing, if you're doing a budget and then it's always been shown, 10, the first thing on your budget is to the church or whatever, you know, and it's 10%. That's how I was shown. So kind of get out of that mentality is kind of little... It's yeah. W- which, all this this is good in making me think, you know, outside of that, and, you know, we're supposed to give more, I agree, and just to whatever um, you can have, but I think just kind of what he was saying, budgeting, budgeting your money is something that, um, I think, is something that you learn and I'm learning now. So, it's kind of... Um, be generous with your money, you have to have a, uh, I my dad told me recently, you know, he was talking about giving away money to people, if anybody has like credit card debt, wasteful spending, stuff like that, you're showing that you're not very responsible with the money, and you're not going to be able to give away money if you do that, so right. that's something that I'm going through, is just that, you know, it's hard not to use a credit card Stuff like that, and especially when you need stuff, mm-hmm. you know. But budgeting the money, I think, is probably where, in hearing all this, you know, budgeting the money is the biggest thing, probably that I'm going through. It's just every dollar, knowing where that that's going. Right. I think we all, I mean, a lot of people I maybe mean, not struggle with it because they're making a lot of money, and don't have a lot of bills, or something like that. But you know, because I definitely don't have a lot of bills, but you know, I look at them, the after a couple of weeks, I'm like, man. You know, I just had $900, you know, yeah. you know so,
0: yeah.
3: Yeah, that's just kind of what I'm doing, just thinking about the, the church stuff, you know, it's easy to give, um, I guess, well, it's not easy to give, but it's uh, something that you just train yourself, to do.
0: Yeah. I Yeah. Mean, I mean, there's nothing evil about the 10%, you know, mindset, you know, I mean, I would say everybody in here has been raised off of that, and even if you kept that mentality in your own personal budget, I don't think there's anything, I don't think you need to work against having 10% in your budget as what you give. Um, I I think it should be a liberating feeling in knowing that that's not a command. But in saying that, in trying to like downplay the 10%, that's not, it's not that you then take that and say, oh great, I'll give 6%. You know? If if there's not a 10% cap Really, the implication is that we should, be, we should be given more than 10%. It's not a, a license to then hold more back. Oh, I don't have to give 10%. Great, because that was really starting to strap my budget. I will start giving 5%. Um, but I don't think that that has to be um, – that, that's, that's not what I think Scripture is trying to present to us. People that give 3% aren't typically referred to as generous people probably. You know, that's, that's what was happening is that Christians were viewed as generous people. And that doesn't typically come from giving one to two percent of your income. Um, it may come from giving ten percent, but depending on what you make, generous may mean you giving thirty-five percent of your income away. Um, so, when
1: you budget, also from, from a human standpoint, it sometimes makes it a little easier to give generously because you're not concerned. when you actually have a physical budget, you're, right? You know. Um Because a lot of times, <laughs> when you don't do that, you're just looking at numbers. You're like, okay, I got a thousand bucks, like, two hundred bucks away, that gives me eight hundred left. This, 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 But if you have all that, if you're getting budgeted out in a physical budget, that you can look at and you can say, oh, okay, that, that you don't have that worry about. You know, am I going to need this? am i going to need this. am i going to need this. It's like,
0: nope, I'm not. So here you go. Right. It's a lot easier.
1: sometimes. You know. It kinda of takes the, the stresses off of you when you see it in black and white, okay I'm really not gonna need this so I can give this away and do it joyfully because if you give somebody you know if you give somebody some money and you're like i that really giving it joyfully?
3: Right. Right.
0: Yeah. Other thoughts, questions?
3: Is there any thought of doing actual, like, showing people how to do a budget and stuff like
0: that? Yeah, we've talked about doing kind of a budget workshop, uh, maybe getting um, some volunteers, people that feel like, hey, I've, I've been doing this for a while and I'd love to share some of the wisdom that, that I've gained from doing this. That's definitely something that we want to, once we finish wrapping up kind of our teaching on it, we want to, to provide some some structured type application things for that. Like, hey, we're going to do a budget workshop, anybody that wants Wisdom on how to get their money to go far and, and to make sure their bills are covered and that type of thing, then we'd like to provide something like that. Yeah.
3: Because I listen to it. Dave Ramsey a lot mm-hmm. going home at night because he keeps calling all the time, and it's just like, you know, a lot of these people in here are at the age where they're going to start racking up a lot of debt if they're not putting things, you know, in perspective. Because you don't have your parents paying, paying for your school. Then you know, like, oh,
0: well,
1: I'll just
0: be student home debt. But there's a lot of thought process to go into that before you do that. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's where uh, uh, married couples, but then even just you know, older people can provide hopefully a lot of wisdom to younger people that are buying their first car, you know, first starting off with a job, beginning to live on their own for the very first time. Like, how to. How to be smart with that and, and providing a place for people to come and be able to ask questions. You know, like we want um, some of you younger people to be able to feel like hey I can come ask questions to Jason or Chris or Melissa or Philip and get some wisdom based on their experiences and how they're doing things. And I mean that's what's great when I mean, we've got we've got single people, we've got married people that, that can provide different different perspectives on, on money and stuff right now. And I think that's a real blessing to have um, Other thoughts or questions? It's weird that, um, giving has become such a private matter than the church, um, it's almost become a thing where we're not supposed to talk about like how much we're giving or how often we give. Like that's a that's a private matter. Like I don't want any glory for for talking about like what I'm giving. And I think I mean I think that's that's a that's a healthy mindset. Like we don't want glory for how much money we're giving. You know, but if let's say we're like back when we were doing small groups with the youth group. Like when we would get together on Sunday nights, like it, it didn't feel awkward if we talked about stuff we were studying in Scripture and how we were, like, doing, like, our quiet times. You know, like, we would, we, we were very faithful to communicate, hey, I've been studying, been reading this, like, I've been really encouraging, and that's not a normal. Now, there, there'd be the tendency for Will to maybe speak up and say, hey, I've been studying this, and, like, he's communicating that for the purpose of self-glory. Like, he, I mean, he would have to fight the temptation to share in a small group setting things that he's studying in Scripture and learning about. Um. But that doesn't mean that we say we should never talk about, like, our quiet times and what we're studying and learning because that might be a source of pride for somebody. Same thing with, like, our evangelism. Like, we don't discourage people from providing testimony of opportunities that they've had to share the gospel. Hey, sharing the gospel at work Been interacting with this guy, um, he really seems to be responding. And, you know, I want you guys to continue praying that, that God would would work in this guy's heart. You know, we don't say, hey, don't talk about, like, your your uh, your evangelism because that might be you trying to get honor and recognition um, by saying that type of thing. And I think the same mentality should be for our giving is that a lot of times we keep giving private, I think because it allows us to kind of cloak our disobedience in that area. You know, like, oh, I don't want to talk about my giving like it's a private thing because in reality like you may not really be giving. You know, and we can kind of hide behind the privacy of Giving being a private matter, and it allows people to get away with with not being held accountable to giving. And I think you see, I, I really think you see a pattern in the um, the New Testament of giving being more of a a, a known thing. I think at times. Um, I was reading a book this week, and, and the guy was saying that um, the early church knew who was giving and who wasn't. It was obvious because people were liquidating their assets. You know, you knew who was giving money because so-and-so didn't have his land anymore. You know, like it wasn't a, a full-on private matter. There was some accountability in the fact that people knew who was giving and who wasn't giving. Um, in fact, we're told in Acts 4, 36 and 37 that, that Barnabas gave, like he sold and gave. Now, whether the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to know that or whether that was common knowledge, I don't know. But when the book of Acts started circulating, everybody knew Barnabas sold and gave. And I think there's a way to communicate the work that God's doing in your heart in a way that God gets the glory and not yourself. And we we talked about the balance last week where Matthew 6... um, three and four where we're told to let me check this to make sure that's the right one yeah uh, Matthew 6 three and four where Jesus talks about giving in such a way that uh, your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing like it's supposed to be a real private thing like you're not getting glory from men, but then we said the balance is in Matthew five sixteen, Jesus says, let your light shine before men so that God gets the glory. So there, there's a way for us to give, keep it private enough to where we're not getting the glory, but we're also able to do it in such a way that it's known enough that Christians are giving their money so that God gets the glory. That we're communicating in such a way that, hey, the reason I'm doing this is because what God has done in my life. I'm not looking for recognition. I'm looking for God to get recognition in this. I'm looking for God to get the credit and the glory in this. Um, And I want to encourage you, just to kind of close with this, to to work towards an accountability system where you can have someone interacting with you in such a way to hold you accountable to your money. Um, And and just to help shepherd you guys in this and give you an example – I was talking with Ben a couple of weeks ago, and, I, and we were talking about our savings account, how much should a Christian have in their savings account. And, and I told Ben, I said, I got, I got too much money in my savings account. Like, I got too much. Like, I don't, I don't need this amount. And, and I followed up with Ben a couple of days later, and I said, hey, I want you to know that, that this is my plan for, for getting rid of some of this. And, and asked Ben to pray for me in that, and, and that's when Lauren and I sat down and started talking about giving money to people at Snowbird. Um, And so Ben and I have been having some of those conversations, and I was really relieved. I picked up a book this week by Randy Alcorn called Money, Possessions, and Eternity, which apparently is the book that David Platt read before he did his um, money uh, secret church, because I feel like I'm listening to, to David Platt as I'm reading the book. But in that, this guy began to cry out for accountability within the church for giving, that we find people that we can help hold us accountable to not loving the things of this world. That we find somebody who we trust enough that can ask us those hard questions. We find people to ask us questions about about, um, sexual sins. We find people to ask us questions about our quiet times and our married lives, maybe. But we're hesitant, maybe, to find people to ask us questions about our giving. And I want to encourage you to to maybe seek that out and try to find that um, with people, just for the sake of your own personal accountability. Um, But in accordance with Hebrews 10:24, we want to spur each other on to good works. And, and the best way to teach other people how to give within this church is to talk about how God's working in our life and how we're beginning to give in a, in a new and different way. All right? Any other questions that you've thought about over the past couple of weeks that you wanted some clarification on or wanted us to talk about a little bit more in depth? All right, I will uh, pray for us, close us out, and then we've we'll, um, we got sandwich stuff that we can eat together with. Um, I'll put this basket up there. This money covers the cost of lunch today. Um, the blue bowl covers the, the gift that we want to give Adam and Tiffany. Um, so just make sure you differentiate as you give before you leave today. All right, let's pray. God, we just want to praise you and thank you once again for the work that you're doing in our life. God, I thank you that we've been able to search scriptures over the past few weeks and gain a better um, better understanding of what your word teaches about money. I know for a lot of us we've been brought up um, being taught things about money but not really being able to go to scripture and know why we believe those things about money. And So it's been refreshing for me and I hope refreshing for um, for these guys to be able to, to search scripture and allow scripture to dictate and... Um, motivate while we do what we do. God, I pray that we would continue to submit to your Holy Spirit, to submit to the Word, um, that we would be a people that are known for our generosity, not for our own glory, but for the glory of you. God, we want Sovereign Hope Church to make a difference. We want Sovereign Hope Church to be faithful within this community, to be generous. We want people to know that Sovereign Hope is being generous so that you receive the glory, not our church. God, we want to have an effective presence where we're taking care of people. And as we interact with people that we take care of, we can point to you and the change that you've made in our life as the source for that generosity. God, we want our light to shine. We want that light to, to shine and draw people's attention to you. Deflect it from us and draw it to you. God, I pray that you'd build accountability in this church that we would be faithful to, to be diligent to examine our money, to talk about our money, to seek wisdom from others in this church about how to spend our money. God, I pray that you'd raise up individuals in this church that can help teach others about how to budget their money. Um, God, that we'd be able to, to take what we've learned over the past few weeks and really apply it... Um, to where we can know that we're being good stewards, as you've called us to. God, we do continue to pray for Adam and Tiffany, that you would um, continue to allow Adam to recover, that you'd give Tiffany the rest that she needs, and I know she has been worried about her husband's health. God, I pray that the gift that we're able to give them today would, would do a lot to ease any anxiety that they're feeling about medical expenses, about having to get back to work too early. God, that we'd be able to provide for them as a church, take care of them um, in a way that they can be thankful that they're a part of a church where God is working. And that God would get, that you would get the glory. That you would get the glory in being able to provide for them. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.